Hello world, welcome to the last episode of Deep Dive. That's it, it's the end. And um, I have my friend and dear collaborator um, and a fan. I may add a fan, right? Definitely the only fan. The only fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a fan of you. (laughs) Being a fan is mutual. Um, Nico here and... um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What What do you think? Oh, I'm shocked a bit and emotional. I think I'm more emotional than you. <laughs> Sounds I'm, like it. I'm very happy that uh, we can finally record again on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's so... I mean, it's not, it's not even sad because I know you will do some great stuff and some new chapters. And uh, I love the episodes that you recorded. And this is just... Uh, it feels natural. It feels natural for you and and for me. <laughs> it's. I mean, I am amazed, and um, I feel a lot of respect for you that you had this huge marathon of podcasts that you really had this discipline of recording and diving really, really deep. I mean, you really respected your name of your podcast, um, because. Yeah, it man. was not just a phrase for you, I feel like. It was an honest research. And it yeah. feels like a world travel that comes maybe to an end or so. Or just one part, one chapter, let's say so. Yeah, man, it's it's really interesting. Um, yeah, what can I say? It's been It's been an amazing time. I started this with the intention of really i noticed a change in me i think that a lot of me starting a podcast was also you know these were more conversations than interviews and at some point it's it's only natural that i would also get tired of hearing myself but in the beginning i definitely wanted to have my voice heard as well and see it interact with other people and see what comes out Mm. and i've i was amazed with the kind of insights that people shared with me over time Mm. and um just in the last few weeks it's just gotten to a point where i could identify it's actually one of the last episodes that i just released with andy i think that i mentioned to him hey you know by the way there are a few themes that i can recognize after all this time that emerged again and again And in a sense, I noticed that there is not so much novelty for me in new Mm. conversations. It's it's variations on a theme that that comes up. Can I ask what are the themes for you and what changed? What was the process of finding the themes? Yeah, so, you know, early on, I started deep dive thinking that each conversation is its own thing, right? It's a complete mm. organism, but the whole thing is an ecosystem, right? So yeah. somebody who would listen to a lot of the episodes might like them individually, but also look for that theme themselves because it's about living well and living well is, I may have explicitly stated what it means to me a few times during the different episodes but Mm -hmm. in general i wasn't being didactic about it and saying what it should be and um and so i was always looking for these themes and they started Mm -hmm. to emerge even 
even early on, I think episode number five or six is probably with Rick Benger and its stories we tell. Mm-hmm. And from there on, it just came back and again. And then we had Power of Stories and I've had other people uh, most recently, Angel, which is, I think, the last episodes really before this one. A lot about mm-hmm. narrative, mm-hmm. Uh, the narratives we construct and how we're extremely good at doing that. So that's definitely a strong theme, our capability Always. for weaving together stories to make sense of the world. Um, so that's, that's one. so interesting. So uh, that's also a theme that stayed with me a lot. So we recorded together the stories and the power of stories episode. And uh, that was for me one of the most emotional recordings we did together. And also like the one topic that stayed with me and it changed a bit. Um, like we both left Twitter um, and uh, left social media hypes um, behind us. But And I also, for some moments, thought that I leave a bit this storytelling hype behind me, like because I wanted more meat behind it, right? The reality away from social media, um, touching grass, how it's called now. Um, yeah. So I I went much more away from the screen, but also what I found that I, the stories came back like the importance of stories and the importance of meaning construction and narratives and personal narratives and personal ceremonies nearly. And, but I experienced them now differently, like more in the meat space, more in the reality, how they are constructed and how different multiverses are out there. Like people are living in their own universes of meanings. Yeah. And like what the Senfrey said, like the differences of we each live in our dream and the differences of these dreams are the conflicts. And yeah, this is also a theme that is much more strong now. Like, hmm. but I feel like it's, it's, it's a dream that needs to be grounded. Right. So like what I sometimes think of like a story is like a formula in physics. If, A formula is never real or true because it's just only a mathematical construct. Mm-hmm. But it helps you to build bridges, computers, to I don't know what. So it's a bridge and it's, it, it's, it's a map of reality that you know of. It's just a map. It's not reality itself. Yeah. Um, but you have then on the other side also um, philosophy and, and, and mathematical philosophy. Like you think about mathematics and physics itself. And I think stories are like the formulas for, for subjective experience, right? So like we have formulas for the real world, like the, I don't know, a stone hits the wall, the impulse and the energy. And you have the formula of what a meeting means to me. What a, an experience of a holiday, a motorboat drive across the ocean means to me. And this is a mapping also of reality, but of subjective reality. 
and it's but it needs to be grounded in experiences in the same way like a formula needs to be grounded in an objective reality and and this is fun because just, just it continues this travel yeah. and, and this transformation yeah it's um and it, it's amazing because the power of stories speaking of that you know it is there is a there is a a world out there and us the artists that we are that we each are we are capable of crafting a story that is almost like lighting certain parts of this reality and it's 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 almost um <laughs> you know it's funny we talk a lot about something whether it's true or false when really we're masters at shining on shining on the world in such a way that gives us half truth it's it's like the half truth that we want you know yeah. that allow us that allow us to get up the next morning and do it yes. again right instead yes. of being uh, instead of being like ah oh, i'm just staying here today <laughs> oh, you know that, that's that's a very interesting topic here that's like you know i was reading this book about escapism and it's, the book has the uh, title escape into meaning mm. and it's basically he talks about escapism that it's not a bad thing but escape like a prisoner that escapes into freedom and that narratives help us there and it's like also another philosopher that wrote about games um wrote very similar that games are first limitations and fake limitations right you limit yourself right. with a fake rule that doesn't mean anything right like i i don't know in improv don't yeah. say i or whatever um so this means you limit yourself with a fictional rule and you narrow your agency but this helps you to find a new agency so basically um, like yoga, like we talked about it, that stories and games are yoga for our agency because they stretch us into different directions. And if there are infinite possibilities, an empty canvas can be everything, but it's actually nothing, right? So <laughs> white light is boring. The whole spectrum is boring. So you narrow down that you find a new path because if you uh, leave a child for itself... Okay, ch children are very cu curious, but let's say a grown-up is better. Um, a grown-up for himself to act as he wants, what will he do? He will repeat his old ways of living. So personal freedom can be then a very big prison because it's a prison of repetition, of habits, of the old paths. And this artificial limitation, these artificial rules that push you out of the mm. old ways and you can't go now your own ways and you focus on something new, a new horizon. Yeah. And that yeah, is so, interesting. So yeah. This, yeah, this is a great segue into another uh, another one of these uh, themes that, very mm. again, very early on, um, trying to think of a specific episode, but I remember it definitely. There were like three episodes it's probably in the in the twenties in terms of number of episodes, but I'm not sure anymore actually. But uh, I had uh, Patricia Hurdukash, who's 
my good friend and um, Indy Neoji. And then there was another one, and they created this streak of episodes talking about um, the future or the unknown or the uncertain. And when you say, you know, we limit ourselves, that's, I think, that is it par excellence. It's just, just a mechanism for coping with the fact that we have a limited ability to actually respond to the entirety of reality and what it offers. So maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, I had maybe two weeks where I just really embodied the feeling and understanding that everything in my life is, is so beautiful and so fragile. You know, the, the life of, of loved ones that could be lost at any moment, my life. And I actually, because I was already leaning towards not using words so much, I stayed in there. And it's, it's, a, it's a very strange place because mm -hmm. on one side, there is very deep, deep, deep appreciation uh, for what I have. And I have a mm -hmm. lot in my life. I have a lot going for me. Um, and at the same time, it's like being, you know, we usually say painfully aware is a metaphor. But this was, mm -hmm. I was painfully aware yes. of mm -hmm. how fragile things are. So it was like walking around with uh, um, touching the sublime. On, mm -hmm. on one level, like being really in touch with the divine almost, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it's like having your nerves just be exposed and like feeling every little thing because I wasn't limiting things with stories so much. And um, it really felt that I was on the precipice of going through some spiritual shift, which mm -hmm. since then kind of, subsided for now but i'm sure it's going mm. to come again but this is definitely another theme that came up in the podcast is uncertainty and how painful it is to to us humans that we can't we understand we can't manage things and so we come up with rules that yes really mm. don't make sense because then you know it's not anymore true but it's mm. manageable. It's like yes. that's a big thing for us to to live a manageable life that we can't, <laughs> that we think we have some sort of influence on. And yeah. that's, you know, and that influence is probably minimal. But we have to have this feeling, I guess. It, oh, that's a very fascinating topic. I mean, there's this cliche merely of yin and yang, you know, chaos and order. Um, we create the yeah. rules and the narratives, but we know there is basically this is such as fictional rules. There is chaos. There is uncertainty. There is we can't control anything um, really when it comes to the big scales and the long scales, and uh, and it's also sensitive as you mentioned. It, it it's it's such a very, very cliche topic that can go so deep. And I, I know this feeling of being painfully aware of uncertainty, like this. It, it, the nebulosity of a feeling, for example, itself is very hard to handle and to hold, you know, hmm. to have this undefined intuition in you and hold it. So there is something in you, a wobble of emotions, images, feelings that's changing. It's nearly like a... Yeah, it feels spiritual 
even if it's very subjective spirituality, but it's it, it's it's a like a soul kernel rising up, and and you have to hold it. It's like gluing. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's and and you mm-hmm. you want to push it away or cut it into a form that is handleable and categorize it, put it into a, a yeah. drawer. And this is interesting. This is like, this is also improv, basically. You know, you come on stage and you have nothing. You have the white canvas. And then you just recognize a pattern. But you are aware that it's a changing pattern. It's The game is not the game. It's a game. Right. The game is always a game and it's changing. But you have to limit it that it becomes manageable and it becomes nearly like a vehicle. I, I always say this word with a very German accent, vehicle. <laughs> but it becomes a vehicle for communication and connection. Because, you know, when we would limit ourselves right now, I don't know, that we speak as medieval monks from now on, right? For two minutes. We in limit ourselves. We'll be saying ve- vehiculum. Vehiculum, yeah. In nomino, <laughs> uh, vehiculum. Um, we limit ourselves in the first moment extremely. And you could imagine that we limit also communication, but I think we create even a deeper, that's the paradox of limitations. We create a deeper communication with limitations, with narratives, because we have common associations with the medieval monks. We have, in this way, shared values. We have shared perspectives and the shared worlds that we create. And we can deepen it. We can deep dive into these narratives and together. And also, you know, what does the word prayer mean to you? What does it mean to you, me? These mm-hmm. are very... Nearly like Rorschach patterns. They they open our subconscious, like because like just we we have this one word, and for each one of us, huge explosions of emotions, associations come up. And so I, yeah, stay 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 on emotions, because that's that's a, a big thing, and that's yes. you know down the road. Like I don't want to cut this part of the discussion too short, but but it relates to another theme Mm. and if you look at emotion i Mm. think if people look at the work of uh, people like uh uh, lisa feldman barrett who's a neuroscientist looking at uh, emotions a lot and you know she says basically if you if you look at it on a molecular level whatever neurological level whatever very small kind of um outlook you've never really experienced the same emotion twice, you know? So think how limited we are when we are so quick to jump from the thing we're feeling into naming it and how much we lose and how much we lose in the process. Yes. Okay, so anger, yeah, I can be angry, but I can be angry and grateful i can be angry and helpless at the same time i can be angry and vengeful 
I can be angry and jealous, you know, and it's just like we are yeah. so prone to just immediately going, oh, I'm angry at you yeah. because this yeah. is now the dominant thing. And in our culture, this is what I'm focused on, this raised heartbeat, yes. this wish to see something change. But mm-hmm. actually, we need to stick with it for a while longer and yes. um, characterize it much better and un- understand these nuances so down the road this conversation is going to to lead to the next theme which is um embodiment i love it maybe one last association to this um you said like anger is not anger right every emotion is different mm-hmm. and it's like you say wine is wine like right so like no wine is like a even every sip of wine is different on a molecular level because you always have a different spectrum and little air air molecules are different so it's sometimes called value collapse when you collapse something weak and nebulous into a measurable yeah thing and like for example like with Fitness apps, it's the same. Like you want first, the first impulse is you want to do sport for whatever reason. Then I want to do sport in the right way, right? So you buy one of these fitness apps and measure with some pulse sensors and whatever sensors. And then at some point, it turns upside down the game because you're collecting now points for your apps and you don't care anymore about your fitness so much. (laughs) And it's, it's a very strange metaphor, but it's value collapse. It, it, this nebulous feelings of you want to do oh, sport. So, so I, I have, yeah, yeah, I have a perfect example for that. Just mm. yesterday I sat with my uh, good friend who I told, I should mention him, my number one fan, uh, though my friend from home, now he's mentioned, he was like, oh, you're going to end your podcast. It's like, okay, you should mention my name because I was listening to every episode. So there you go. <laughs> Dolly, you're just mentioned. Um, But I was sitting with him and he was relating to me a a story where he went with his wife who comes from a religious family. He went to her her family and they were sitting around and he told me two funny stories, actually. Uh, The first is they were somehow talking about evolution and then he was saying to somebody to like a cousin, a young cousin or something like that. Well, you know, and then uh, humans evolved over time from monkeys. And then another cousin was like, not that small, right? Just looked at him. And she just asked him in the most certain convinced way. It's like, wow, you really believe that stuff, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) So we we had a good laugh over that but maybe the more relevant story is that he to to value collapse is that he said that uh, a three-year-old girl had mm-hmm. uh, lice in her hair right so mm-hmm. she was scratching her head and all that um so he told them well um braid her hair so at least she has braids and it's easy to reach or something mm-hmm. like that it would be easy so then they told him no, it's Shabbos, so we don't braid her hair. 
and we we won't braid her hair on on the day before. So Shabbos for anybody who knows, like Jews who keep the Sabbath, they don't drive, they don't play, they mm-hmm. don't do any work. You're not, and work is can be a lot of things. Okay, so yeah. for one thing, it's braiding somebody's hair. It's like mm-hmm. it's. Uh, it doesn't have to do enough with spirituality. You're supposed to just read the holy book, mm. focus on that. Um, so they were like, we're not going to do her braids even on Friday going into Saturday, which would be okay mm. because if they um, if if they b- b- broke apart or something, her braids, uh, also undoing braids is also not allowed. And so he was like, now we're talking, it's like, that's pretty amazing what these people are talking about, you know, the point of religion is probably to feel, to come close in some spiritual way mm. to a universal essence yes. of like, this is all that, you know? So this is the ultimate val- value collapse, I think, to talk about <laughs> whether we should braid our hair on Saturdays <laughs> or not. And, you know, and the rationale for them, I so mm. we were talking about it and I told him, uh, something which I learned during COVID for myself, mm-hmm. which maybe listeners will find interesting, which is I don't really want to hold arguments with anyone anymore because there's just so much shared humanity to explore mm-hmm. that we don't need to just ex- go to these places that trigger the both of yes. us, right? We'll get to that mm-hmm. down the road when we are good friends, but that's just mm-hmm. on a side note. So I was telling him, I think, for these religious people, well, the the thought is you have all these little rules, but you can't break these little rules, even though they're meaningless, because it might put you in a position to realize, oh, like really question whether the whole game makes any sense, which yes, it does. It, it doesn't, you know, all of religion are just pointers to get to a spiritual place, which is not... Mm really based on whether God exists or any of this stuff, yes. right? It's, it's not yeah. even about... So anyway, I thought that was a, a good a good example of value collapse. Yeah, it's a very fascinating topic also. And, it, and I mean, you can go very nerdy with it, right? So um, when do you want to define a value, for example? There's research about it. Like, is when is an explicit language about something useful when not? So that's a very very fascinating thing um or like um you did a podcast um with uh, uh about sports and metaphors right uh with uh, nick winkleman yeah with nick winkleman so like how me- the power of metaphors like you when you explain when you value value coll- collapse the explanation for sport like mm-hmm. to this mechanical movement in this and this way yes. move your arm in this, this working angle, it stops working. And I mean, there's this phrase, if you want to find out how a cat works and you kill the cat to see how it works, the first thing that stops right. working is the cat. Um, yes. So like you have to keep the cat, the metaphor and the subjectivity for communication alive. So, and I think it's very important, like life is a mystery and if we want to make it clear and visible, we kill it. If we explain everything, if we distill every aspect of our life and analyze it, we kill life. Because the only thing that keeps life alive, I think, is the question and the urge 
the nebulosity. It's constantly collapsing. But if we collapse everything, there, there is no life anymore. Like because we are just molecules wow. hitting each other. Yeah. Well, this and, is this uh, is just um, yeah. This is perfect. I mean, so I said another theme was was embodiment and going yes. back to living in your body and not. Yes. Not making these these leaps and escapes, at least not yeah. immediate ones, at least not knee-jerk ones, because that's the problem. Of obviously we have to communicate, we do that through words and that's all fine and dandy, mm. but we're very quick to do yes. that. It's like a knee-jerk reaction to us to immediately put into words what we're feeling and all that. And yeah. you know, now you're mentioning life and it's like, wow, we went from white light to no light. <laughs> to the red light <laughs> district now. <laughs> yeah, sure. I thought it's a bit more romantic. I don't want the clinical, you know? I really yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this white light is no no, that's not fitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I love that you bring up life because it's been it's also been a theme, I think, aliveness in in the podcast, maybe more implied. Maybe it's not one that I saw at the time, but definitely as time went by. I think aliveness, feeling alive, and um, yeah, shout out to Andy Way. Um, and this episode with him is just recent about intentional living and adventure. But he really got me feeling that. Um, also, the episode with Dave Beck about intuition, about aliveness, about doing things that make you alive, and also reading mm -hmm. um, Ian McGilchrist, who talks about life and really enabling me to think about life, to stop thinking about. So many times, I think, on the podcast, I mentioned that life is something, according to science, it's something like information processing within a self-replicating organism or something yeah. like that, which is sort of true, but it, um, it's a little bit like killing the cat to see, to see what's going on there. Yes. You know? And uh, McGilchrist makes the fantastic point of the fact that we use the metaphor of machine too much to refer to living things when yes. they are not alike at all. Because actually, if a cat was a machine, you would be able to start it to, to yeah. start it again. Yeah. Right. So it's not. And um, and this leads to. Also, the conclusion of this podcast, which is, for me, a real attempt to act on what I learn mm -hmm. and, you know, go touch grass, as you said, <laughs> and really think about um, maybe looking back at what I arrived at when thinking about living well and mm -hmm. trying to, to really live it and be in it and not try and and have as much aliveness in me and to be as close as possible to other people who are very alive because mm. we run the risk as humans to beat the life out of ourselves yes in the name in the name of following a narrative that's comfortable that all that blah 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 we run a real risk of becoming less alive Yes. Because we are more algorithmic or something like that that is from the world of machines. We mistake the metaphor for reality. Yes. 
it's the control we seek that just takes our breath more or less. It's so fascinating that we want aliveness, but we want to have control and this like, like nearly Freudian will for life and will for death, right? So this, this clashes of titans uh, in a way. It's fascinating. What, what what changed for you? Did it come up during the history of of your podcast that you you wish more aliveness to immediately feel it, or how did it evolve this feeling, this urge? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, it came from the many great conversations that I had that were recorded and were not recorded with with mm. other people. Um, but yeah, the the matter with things. This book by McGill Christ mm. has been and is touching me a lot. Like it's it's just such a great book. I recommend it to anyone and everyone. Um, yeah, it's it's just something that that built up, and I think I need to to retake that part of me. Like I'm very yeah. domesticated these days. Yes. Um, I mean, the thing is, aliveness is such a funny thing because it, it touches a lot of the other topics and the other themes that we discussed. Oh, yeah. It's like this edge between order and chaos, for example, or this this edge of narratives, right? Um, like where aliveness is, is definitely not on the structured robotic side. That's not alive, right? If you deconstruct everything, where is the life? Yeah, Where is yourself if you deconstruct it completely? But it's also not on the other side uh, where everything is a stiff narrative. That's, uh, that's also not life. So life is a very strange edge of always changing. Like I always use this example, but when you go snowboarding, and mm -hmm. you just go your old paths and your old habits of driving with the snowboards down the hill. You will not really, you will daydream and you maybe enjoy the day and the sun, but there's just no feeling of the snowboard and the slope and the snow below you. It's not there. You're more in, I don't know, in daydreams, like you go jogging, right? You're somewhere with your mind and your awareness. If you go down a hill that is too steep, you will just have panic, uncertainty. You have this, un, this this nebulous panic in you, right? There's no value collapse. There is no, there's nothing. There's just panic, maybe tunnel vision, um, just to hold somewhere. Um, but if you drive a slope that is slightly above your abilities, you're focusing on the board, you're, focus on the style of driving and and then you grow you learn you're like this cliche of the hero's journey you're in the middle of the hero's journey where you have to constantly adapt and change mm. and, and that's the aliveness and it's also the other hashtag flow experience for sure like the flow experience is on the edge of your abilities and the edge of narratives and chaos and and collapsed values and nebulosity. It's this constantly 
new adaptions of your narratives. And, and, and then you feel alive because you feel your snowboard, you feel the snow and the, the steepness, but you can manage it and you can, and you will adapt and learn. And, and so this is, this is something very interesting. Like this constant, it's nearly like a pulsation image that comes up, right? Like this collapsing of intuition and growing of intuition and velocity. And it's not just one bubble. It's like a firework of, collapsing intuitions constantly with different sizes yeah. in us and yeah that's and this, so interesting this is yeah i love that nebulosity is the word word of the day today <laughs> yeah this is great <laughs> i i have seen some clouds going over me today so <laughs> um or some fog i guess um yeah, you know, it's the, the topic of aliveness is so interesting to me because I'm, I've just about had it with people talking about AI, you know, and how close mm. we are to a singularity. Mm. And I'm just like, <laughs> you are so far from understanding what constitutes a living thing. It's just like, you think it's going to happen? You guys are idiots. Okay, maybe... <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going to be proven an idiot soon, but I just don't think ai is going to be a thing soon that understands something and it's for the funny reason is it funny or depressing i'm not sure but look at how hard we try to look into a living thing like the human and find the neurons you know and really mm -hmm. if it weren't for ethics or something like that people would and people do once a human dies they do look inside to look at the mm. things and of course you're not going to find aliveness there it mm. it's again and and it's one of these things where i started feeling like i'm going down a much more spiritual thing because now i don't have an impetus to just um dissect Just, yeah life. put a lot of a, a lot of words on it and it's like mm -hmm. what is life and all that and it's funny that we look at trees and humans and other organisms and we try to find the aliveness in a way that's very much not looking for it where it's going to be found and at the mm -hmm. same time we try to create ai in machines which we know are not alive but we're trying to instill them with yeah. some sort of aliveness mm -hmm. and of course, it's not going to happen because the only way we look at aliveness in living things is not even in the right direction. So it's yeah. it's just not going to happen, guys, mm. not in the way you're doing it right yeah. now. You know, mm. I really think there is a bigger chance of us connecting with nature in some crazy woo way that is going <laughs> to, not woo way, but very woo Mm. way that's going to connect us with other things through things which i would have considered very strange so you mentioned prayer so pray mm. you know i just don't think the path forward is to try and instill aliveness in in things that aren't living and the yeah. only thing it might work in any way shape or form in the future is if we developed more um, spiritually, which I don't have a recipe for. I'm not saying like anything. I know how to do it. But mm. my point is that when it comes to aliveness, we have a very um, 
dual nature about it. It's like we seek it because we are alive. We can't get rid of it. Mm. But we, we're constantly looking to make things mechanistic so that it's yes. predictable and all that, you know, and in the process mm. we, we lose pretty much. I mean, some people are are, are walking dead. Right? Yes. That's a good bridge to embodiment again, I would say. Because yeah. what I feel like, or at least from my perspective, when I feel too much in my head and too much in my thoughts, and I do sports or dancing or any embodiment expression, this brings me away from the conceptual space, also in improv. Like, for example, when you get stuck on the stage on improv, like, oh, what should the story be? What does the other person want? Blah, blah, blah. You're always thinking and creating new narratives and trying to hook and hold somewhere. But then the tricks like, hey, let your elbow be your character, right? So you come in like this, hey, what's up here? And, and so you immediately, all your emotions, all your subjectivity, your soul in this moment, your fire of life goes into the elbow. And then you express your intuition about your elbow, like the capitalistic society, right? Or whatever um, comes up and... This brings you out of the head because, again, you limit yourself in a way, um, but you you get out here and into the body. And as soon as you're in the body, you you speak a completely different language, like a nebulous language, right? <laughs> if you want to use the word <laughs> again, <laughs> like this, it's a it's a language that doesn't need this value collapse, right? Like if you dance and express, if you kiss wild, if you dance drunken on a wall, there is no mind. <laughs> sometimes there would be better to be a mind, sometimes not. Um, but it, it, it's this physical intelligence that's acting in you. And it's, it's a more bottom-up intelligence than this top-down one that we usually use here in yeah. our minds. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a, a huge thing to really really inhabit our bodies and not run away to these places and you know, this makes me think about the future and what's going to come after this podcast and I I don't know yet, but I'm very much intent on um doing things intentionally, which I I don't know if you could identify it as a as a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that I'm definitely taking away from the podcast is intentional living and kind of aiming where you want to go, you know, and mm-hmm. not living with a sense that, oh, uh, again, there's a game and there is a game that your mm-hmm. culture and society have built for you. Like capitalism yeah. is a game, mm-hmm. you know, um, communism is a game, mm-hmm. uh, religion is a game. Yeah. whatever and even just conventions like maybe it's just yes. your local village that goes mm-hmm. to a, a feast on every 5th of may you know i don't know yes so all these games really can be and probably should be transgressed and you should go if you don't feel good in a game you should yeah. have the sense that you can go play another game with intention and mm-hmm. try it and maybe you know after a while it's gonna get old but now this is the game you're 
you're playing and doing it with uh, confidence that maybe you can do it. So mm. you're facing something that you know, so intentionality. And I'm saying this because, you know, I wish for myself and maybe for other people who have uh, come on this journey with me to really not give up on ticking all of the boxes that you think are going to be good for you and mm -hmm. um, never be living with the notion that, oh, I have a lot to be grateful for. So, you know, I'm not going to risk it or something like that. Um, but yeah, be forward looking and and trying to, to get somewhere that you want. For me, it's going to probably be starting some sort of uh, hub. It could be a workshop space that people can come mm -hmm. through. It could be a tourism business somewhere in Southern Europe. I don't know. We have mm -hmm. to see. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting, and it's necessary, I think, to end that mm -hmm. game, like the podcast game, the deep yeah. dive game, for now to to make room for another something to yes. to emerge. That's the beautiful thing. You always make space then for another thing, <laughs> and for not, for other yeah. games to play with, right? And and to create the games that you want also. Because games are not only played, but they are created. And as soon as we have a finished game, like the podcast, so there's a bravery in you also. Like you could say, okay, this podcast runs, you know, I keep going with it because it's, it's there. It's a structure that I have. And it's, it's actually so easy. It's actually so easy. There's mm -hmm. their websites now that can hook you up with guests forever. Mm -hmm. And mm. I could, you know, be a lot more ambitious uh, when it came to marketing, when it came to approaching people. But eventually my podcast started with the notion that I couldn't have the guests that, you know, I know people find interesting on the on the mm. biggest podcasts. So like Joe Rogan yeah. or Sam Harris or Tim Ferriss or Rich Roll or Chris Williamson. Um and I set out to prove that conversations with regular people are going to be just as interesting. And that's mm. true. But it's still undeniable that it's probably very hard to make your podcast extremely popular doing that. Yeah. So people's biases towards, oh, yeah, I want to listen to celebrities or yeah. people who kind of uh, unashamedly take the titles that they're giving and, and, and run with it. I could have been talking with a lot more people, but mm -hmm. yeah, if, if it's, if it's not there, like currently now that's the interesting part, like as a podcaster mm. during the pandemic, I, I did think about, I always went back and forth between having the podcasters like a possible source of income, make it popular. Now it's very clear to me that if you told me I don't know Tim Ferriss is going to be on your podcast tomorrow mm. I would be like this is awesome mm. let's have a private conversation because this <laughs> podcast is over so yeah. wow. you know it's 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 just um, so I'm more than open to have conversations with people and meet yeah. people mm. but this thing is just is just done even though yeah. it would have been very easy to go 500 episodes. Mm. Easy. 
like technically, but it's just not there. So that's very beautiful for me. That like you have this um, will for authentic passion in you. That you have this will for curiosity, and you're you're living for me a very intrinsic joy, right? So mm -hmm. like you're you're not very much driven. It seems so for our external rewards like. I don't know, fame hunting or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, to be honest, it's not that I'm not mm -hmm. moved by those things because I'm part of a society and that's the game that's played and the games that are played around you have a lot of influence on you. So I'm not going to sure. paint a picture like I'm not affected by it. I think people heard it on the podcast too. I am affected by it and I... I maybe that's maybe that's where I'm being most naive is that I would like to win both games, but eventually the game that just intrinsically emerges from me is always mm. winning over the cultural game. So mm. if I take on the eyes of society, I always end up looking not not that great, you know, not that successful, but um, I've never been able to betray myself, which I guess, I guess it's good. <laughs> In, from my perspective, it's amazing. Um, yeah, this, this is strange. I mean, it's a huge treasure and it's like this conformity that uh, that the game asks you for is, is a strong force and And, and and it's I think it's nearly like a, how do you say it's a tincture for for wonder and growth and life again if you have a honest passion if you have an honest curiosity because then you're protected by it in a way right so mm. if you're really interested about life you you don't care that you care about people and you care for sure about respect and love and but but you have this big passion that drives you further the focus and that it creates your own games like if you're a real researcher i mean do you, i don't know if you know this classical example of the game where you have to guess the length of a stick they did this psychology experiments in the room mm. There, there are five yeah, or I, five. Oh, right. Five that you can, you can make somebody. Home. Yeah, you can make somebody overturn basically what they're seeing. Yeah, like, or at least yeah. what they are saying. Sometimes what they are seeing. So that the five lines on the wall, and then uh, there are five people or ten people sitting in this room, and just one is the real participant in. Yeah. In the, but he doesn't know, and they ask. He's the last one that is asked, which is the longest line on the wall? And mm -hmm. each one of them, they say number three, but number three is clearly not the longest line on the wall. Right. Um, and and, and like he, you see the people something like wondering what is happening. Why am I so stupid? I don't see it. And they, I don't know, 75% of the people then agree with the group and say, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. So uh, number three is the longest, despite yeah. a small child sees it, right? But right. this conformity force is really strong and but if you if this would be a line researcher if its main curiosity is about to find the longest lines in life on the wall he mm. definitely would not <laughs> <laughs> agree with them because his 
his focus is not conformity or being social. He has this big passion for lines on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best, the best compliment I've ever received. I'm like a line researcher. <laughs> Monty Python style, uh, but it's a thing that protects and, and I think being curious is such an amazing thing. It, 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 it drives you forward, it gives you motivation and it gives you the strengths that you don't even need strength sometimes because if you like just, uh, you're a social person you need constantly strengths, right? If you're just socially oriented, because there's always differences in perspe- perceptions, and you, then you're like hunting the carrot in front of your nose and running, 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 and adapting, adapting, adapting. You constantly need to adapt, and they need a lot of yeah. discipline and strengths. But if you have a one vision, it's life is again you collapse to some narrative for yourself. You decide for a path at least temporarily. You have a strength in you, and this drives you further to new adventures. Then, mm. that's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I'm not sure what the segue is if it makes any sense, but. You know, just coming up on the one hour mark and thinking about other um, themes that came up. Well, I, I there's probably recency. Oh, my wife is saying good night. <laughs> um, there's probably recency bias at play here, but um, mm-hmm. I just released uh, an episode with uh, Josef Fruček. And uh, it's titled The Others, and basically everything about relationships. So he's a brilliant person, and um, everybody should listen not just to this podcast with me, but um, other things that he's doing because he's very productive. He has um, a dance a dance troupe that he works with, Rootless Root, and he also trains... Um, in a, in a thing called Fighting Monkey, which is very interesting. Uh, but the conversation with him was about the others, so relationships. Uh, this is also something that came up again and again during the different conversations and how important it is. And that's that's a big thing that I took from the whole deep dive project is that we don't have to live in the space that's that's just us like being um so the the i think one way i i put it in one of the episodes is that you have capitalism which is extremely individualistic and communism which is you know you're basically nothing you're just a number your life isn't worth much you're just living for another big organism I think that there is still something to be explored about the middle path that humanity hasn't really gone through. And that is um, somewhere in between, like the relationships, developing the relationships, not so much the 
easily identifiable ends of the relationships you know mm. like we are Yal and Nico and it's very uh, it's very easy to focus on us because mm. the relationship doesn't have a body mm. it's like moving somewhere it's kind of strange like what happens to a relationship when we don't talk for three days you know is mm. is, is it alive is it not alive mm. and yet it's it's the most alive thing and ev- and every time the relationship exists, and it's mm-hmm. harmonious and it does something that's when the, the 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 two sides of the bridge are at their best you know so mm-hmm. really the whole view of like altruism versus selfishness mm-hmm. it's just kind of it's just kind of missing the point because you don't have to think of of one versus the other when you can make a relationship flourish then by yes. definition, both sides. Um, if you make sure that the relationship is healthy, mm. that is by definition, that by definition means that the two sides are, are doing well. Yeah. Having a healthy life, having a fitting life, you know, uh, when the two sides fit to each other, but not even fitting in a way of Lego pieces being equal, but... Being healthy means a dynamic, pulsating relationship. Yes. Yep. And and it's nearly like embodiment. You're embodied into a relationship and this gives you meaning again. Because you're connected to the world. When we talked some two days ago about improv and acting, how acting alone is is a wild associations maybe and, and also can can have a huge power tantric power mm-hmm. um, but acting with other people being on stage or in a room and doing improvisation with other people this is so so much deeper it's a it's like an embodiment times 10 it's you, because you're in this moment in a good healthy dynamic communication you're not anymore Nicolas or Eyal. You're not. You're not a single person. You're just this this this, this dynamic of of exchange, mm. this game. I love and, it. And opening up to this game is is amazing. And I think this is again this this feedback loop to dive in, right? So this is <laughs> like embodiment. This is reality. This is this is best done in body, in mid space. And it's a whole universe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, any any other compliments you'd like to pay me? <laughs> Thousands. <laughs> no, no I, I have really deep respect. That's, that was really amazing project. That's, that's really honest. Um, uh no yeah it's crazy of course i will miss the times recording so so much (laughs) because you know you know in the best moments of our conversations it was also not about the podcast you know in the best Mm -hmm. moments you forget about the podcast it's again like this two flames become one fire um and and it, it was nearly like a prayer in the best times, right? So like a communion um, mm. of coming together, an exchange, like where 
I definitely left the laptop many times completely changed from our conversation and inspired and revitalized, full of life. And and, and this is and in this way it's it's a treasure to have this. We could have at some point turned off the cameras and microphones and but then we would not hear each other but <laughs> <laughs> little detail but yeah. but we could have, should, could have deleted the recording let's say so well when um, we are in uh, Pompeii that's yeah there's not <laughs> going to be any cameras um, yeah yeah I, I don't know how many if I mentioned it but you know this podcast wouldn't have been wouldn't have come a reality without some really important people. So talk about the others. You know, I when the pandemic came, I initially went to write a book and now it's on hiatus and it's shelved. I don't know. I hope to get to it. The subject is important. Um, but it was only after, you know, and we've been trashing Twitter for a while now because it, it really does suck at this point. Mm. Um, but at the time of the pandemic, it was a great outlet for, for people to come together and make connections and that's where i made a few of the connections so yeah i think the one with you has been massively important for this podcast to come about the encouragement um just the riffing together the easy things you know the old racket days where it all started um <laughs> and it was just natural and i have yeah i think i have to specially commend you and and ready who I made the first podcast episode with for really um, helping me kick into gear and just doing the thing and just launching it. Mm -hmm. And then there is the inter-intellect community and the kind of people that were around me where this started. And these were the first people who I just came out as a nobody to and was like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. And just as friends, they were like, yeah, we'll do it. You know, and before I knew it, I had 30 guests lined up because uh, a lot of very kind people were there. Um, Gibran is, is a special name to mention. And the episode with him is still possibly a, a favorite because, I, you know, I don't want to actually rank them 1 to 80-something or 90-something, but... Jib, the, the episode with Gibran on human connection, again, relationships, um, just him telling the story of his little girl being born and fighting for her life for the first three months. There's like, <laughs> this is <laughs> like a, you know, we're, we're everything that we've talked about in the podcast and all that, that's like earthly stuff, right? But mm -hmm. his story about that just takes you to the stratosphere and makes you feel stuff and, and be there with him. Um, so I have to thank Gibran for opening up on that and encouraging me a lot on every front. Um, yeah, and just a lot of the amazing guests, every every amazing guest that came on the podcast, I can honestly say that there was not one guest I didn't like or didn't um, connect with, even in the episodes where I felt something didn't uh, go as planned. And mm -hmm. one episode, fun fact, one episode was once even aborted because a misunderstanding, but still even that person that I couldn't produce an episode with, I still um, hold in um, the highest respect. Um, 
so yeah, I have to thank a lot of people and obviously uh, my wife who had to put up with me disappearing to doing something, who knows why or what or what's the purpose of this, putting up with it. Um, yeah, and just everybody who really supported me. So this has been an amazing, amazing journey. I hope that anybody who has listened or will listen because it's still going to be up out there um, is going to enjoy and take something away. Uh, more than happy to connect with anybody who wants. I'm still going to be on Substack. I don't know what I'm going to be doing there, but I imagine I'm going to check it now and then. So um, people should stay subscribers. Why not? I might start something new, right? We might do it. Shallow splashes. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> who knows what will happen in Pompeii in May? Yes where we're going to play um, and obviously <laughs> not pay for it. <laughs> yeah. We might turn gay. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our way. <laughs> uh, nice new game to play. <laughs> um, but I don't think again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much um, for coming to uh, celebrate this last episode with me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, anything else? Yeah, thank you, Ian. This was really amazing. As I mentioned already before, it was not just like listening to your podcast episodes, but participating. Huge, huge thank you because I learned so, so much in our conversations and not just on the conceptual way, but the inspiration of creating together is it's still huge treasure and brings fire to me into my soul and it was really uh, amazing amazing experience from the yeah, records well, talk you about, mentioned. yeah talk about intentional living my intention is to find something that works for us that we can do it on a regular basis so we'll work it out um yeah yeah man thank you so much uh i'm gonna tell Dor now, my friend again. Dori, So now he has to listen to the whole episode. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people, it's, it's hard to say goodbye, but I'm, I'm going to do it now. So bye, deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eyal. <laughs> <laughs>